The following episode is brought to you by Mark Stanley, Philip Newman, Shelby Johnson, Jerry Thunes, Andy Dossett, Eric Whitman, Edvarth Arnoff, Natasha Rallerson, Devious Pop-Tart, Rebecca Gauman, Elizabeth Clark, David Scrams, Charles Compton, Daryl Delaney, Ryan Royce, Darren Katzka, Irene Viarito, and Laura Pickren, as well as all of our generous patrons. everyone, and welcome to Eberron Renewed, an actual play TTRPG podcast, where we play the TTRPGs, and it's in Sharn, and we use Genesis, and that's, a lot of that's changing before too long. Here we go. I'm Jeff. I'm Randy. And I'm Eric. And that's it. The uh, The local climate decided storm season should start a couple months early. Unfortunately, Philip is out due to storms. And I, we, any of us might be at any moment. I've had consistent rolling thunder for about a half hour. So let's see what happens. Yeah, same here. But this is, of course, because I won't shut up, Everon Reviewed, which is where we get together and we talk about the last, in this case, four episodes and what went down and what we were feeling. And Eric, of course, provides some wonderful GM insight. So this never gets uh, defensive about his story or anything. Yeah, he, certainly, yeah, he certainly never gets defensive. None of us do. So this arc was mentioned the uh, the term five footer before, where yeah. we spend a lot of time traveling about five feet, and that's exactly what this was. We start the first episode. The first episode starts with Trevor, and unfortunately, yeah. he's not here to talk about his meeting with the Baron or subsequent meeting with his father. But the important things that happened were essentially the Baron, who is the matriarch, the head, the big top honcho of Fjarlin. Yes. 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 And she told Calver, stop working with Simon Calloway. And Calver didn't like that. And so he told Reynard, go kill that lady. And exact quote. Yep. It's the exact quote. He said, hey, go kill that lady. And Reynard went to his brother and was like, I don't want to. And he was like, maybe you don't have to. And that was the whole scene. Yes. Okay. Without being specific, that was the job. Yeah. He did. He did keep from Alistair what the job was. Just that's right. Yeah, dad, absolutely. Dad's acting crazy. And then we get together, all four of us reconvene to talk about the four meetings we had just spent the last two episodes having. And I don't know why we ended up at Lucas Ciara's house for this. It made <laughs> no sense other than we didn't think we could go back to the places we always go. And that's a place that we had been before. Yep. Is the extent of how that makes sense to me. And then we just kind of spilled it. Hob talked about his meeting with, oh my goodness, Farouk's new, or Farouk's old partner. Orla. Dorla, thank you. Milo talked about his meeting. Eris talked about hers and all of the stuff that came with it. And then 
just when we thought we knew based on those three retellings, kind of some things we were going to do, some stuff we were thinking, some ways to go. Reynard's, oh, and also my dad, he wants me to kill his boss. <laughs> and Eric ended the episode. Do you guys have any... It was a retelling episode, unfortunately. So there's not a lot of new stuff that except for what Trevor can speak to. But if you guys remember anything that we need to talk about, I listened to it today and it really felt like a lot of retelling. I... Like I would, the only thing that surprised me about that whole interaction of this episode was I thought, and this might speak to the growth that Trevor has injected into Reynard. I expected there to be a lot more hum and hawing over the sum of money that Calvary was just willing to throw at you all. I, I, I don't know if I really expected like Milo Hobb and Eris to hum and haw about it, but I expected there to be more of a pitch, I guess, from Reynard of it's a lot, it's a lot of money. Like it's more money than like most people will ever have in a few generations. Yeah, so it's an unbelievable it, amount of money. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder, I wish and for somebody who's so cavalier about murder as Hobb, it's not. <laughs> yeah. He's not cavalier, but he's cavalier about right. We've all done murder. it. And those righteous murders are the ones he wants to do. I wonder, I wish he was here to speak to it. I wonder if part of that was Trevor just knowing we weren't going to go for it that as players. Or as characters and just being like, look, guys, it's 10 grand. No. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah. Especially since we all said out of character during that scene, we're like, we're not doing that. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Nothing really comes of the Lucas Ciara house of it all, except for we make some jokes about how a celebrity is waiting on us. Because um, I didn't expect it. Like, I wasn't ready for that to be the solution. So I was like, okay, course, yeah, you're of course. No, that was, yeah. <laughs> that, that was not a, that was not a, why didn't you have something for that? No, Eric? I know. Because it was a dumb decision that I said in passing that we did. The next episode is more of the same until we get a message from, all I can think of is Farlin, and that's from Campaign 1. What is Olfen. with me in names today? Olfen saying that Sigil is at the bar and they want our help. And yep. I, I, Hob elucidated, like, the one promise we've ever made <laughs> is that when Sigil <laughs> says go, we're going to go. Oh, you know what? I do want to go back. I just thought of this. My, Randy... You didn't really make much of the fact that Eris, in the episode, Milo didn't make, I don't want to say you, pardon me, Milo didn't make much of the fact that part of Eris's list of demands was, since the Boromars obviously aren't going to do it anymore, the state is going to reopen keg bottoms for you. <laughs> How does that... Yeah, I don't know if I want to say. Oh. oh. Yeah. yeah, sure then. Being a little um, cheeky. Milo's got a lot of, yeah, a lot of thoughts going on in his... I guess it doesn't matter. Eric may have an idea of what I'm thinking. Hey, keep your secrets if you want to, but... <laughs> yeah, or speak absolutely. if you want to. Milo's yeah. had a lot going on, yeah, so it may just... A lot going on. So you're just talking about he didn't really react like, oh, wow, the city's the state's going to rebuild my bar, yeehaw? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't really react to a lot of it, but I just, I thought, because you had basically just been told you were going to get your bar back, and then, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe Milo doesn't think the Boromars are no longer, maybe Milo thinks Boromars are still going to make good on his bar. I don't know. Or Milo could be thinking other things. Oh, okay. I, do, I don't need Randy to figure out more clever ways to evade things, so we're just going to move on. <laughs> but we go to the four sales, and we meet with Sigil, and they tell us, it's go time. Like the thing we kept telling them when they're ready for our help, we'll be there to help them. And they called it up. It was time. And what it is that they want us to first, they just tell us, let's go down to the cogs and 
you can meet the rest of my friends, my, my club, crew my of revolutionaries. Club. No, uh, just some just some buddies hanging out. Yep. And you did, Eric. I like that you like you made it clear. I saw it as now. I may, I may be wrong. The where, when Sigil opens the doors and we go in with them and everybody gets. I read that as deference to Sigil and not weird outsiders showing up. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> was it that? Was it both? Was it? I feel like I I conveyed it with the way Spruce interacted. It was very much primarily a deference to Sigil. And Mm. the understanding being that I wonder why they would bring these people here, but they must have a good reason for it. So that's why there wasn't a whole lot of leering at you all, but more just a quiet hush falls over the room. Okay. Yeah, Spruce definitely obviously acted with deference later on. Speaking of Spruce, let's just go ahead. So Spruce and Leatherneck and Twig. If you have not listened to campaign one, this is within the first nine or 10 episodes. So I think it's okay if we go ahead and talk a bit about it. Yeah. They're also canonical Eberron characters. Like they were written by Keith Baker. So are they? Okay. I did not know that, but you use them in, in the first campaign. I changed their names because at that point I, I still had this, I want to be original like kind of thing. So those characters exist in an adventure written by Keith Baker I just filed the serial numbers off, but yeah. Okay. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they show up in the second, no, third arc. The teacher, the third arc. Yes. Yeah. I want to say it's episodes, including reviews, like eight, nine, and 10. Maybe. Yeah. Or nine, 10, and 11. Anyway, what, where are we at timeline wise? (laughs) Or these, okay. Campaign one and campaign two are now connected because of Cassian. Yeah. Yeah. In a multiversal sense. Absolutely. Yeah. But we are in a, we have a simply have established we're in a different universe. Yes. We could be anywhere in the timeline of campaign one on this. Like, no, we are definitively because campaign one and campaign two started on the same day. Because I started both campaigns on the date with which Keith Baker says is the first day of Eberron, essentially. Okay. So um, we which are is actually the second anniversary of the morning. No, fourth okay. anniversary. Anyway, so continue. we're much farther in the timeline now than when we met Spruce and the crew. Yes. Good for them. I guess this universe didn't have to deal with all that nastiness from campaign one, <laughs> which Randy was not around Correct. for. I don't know. I assume he no, this was pre. Yeah, that's pre me. Yep. The pre-Lauderdale era of... This was the, a different Trevor. Yes. Was a part of that one. We learn, and please, obviously, Randy, jump in whenever you want. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. The thing that Sigil has been warning us that he that they believe is going to happen is moving forward. One yes. of the machines, is there a better word? Eldritch engine, I think, is the term that I used. Engine. The Eldritch engine that powers such a travesty is in the building above where we're hanging out and the Warforged are magically warded off from it. So they want to know if we would go take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> just, I just watched both you guys look up. <laughs> it's a bit thunder just started rolling again over our town. So they ask us to go and get it. And I was like, is that something you guys would be up for? And we're like, yeah, that sounds great. Can we please go do that? That sounds awesome. That sounds so much better than some of the things we've been dealing with. We would love to just steal something from a rich guy. And they have blueprints of the facility, which is great. But outside of that, we can make heads nor tails of what's going on because they've not been able to do any scouting. Yep. 
We did was, skip over. You all did also learn about a rival social club. Yes, Ash, Ash and his minions with the cool hair. I know they don't. Well, all Ash have the has cool the cool hair. hair. Yeah, <laughs> I thought a couple of them. I thought a couple of them did. Yeah. So Ash is another Warforged who is a follower of the Lord of Blades, which is another mm-hmm. canon Eberron thing. He lives in the Mornland and is trying to start a society of Warforged there. That's simplistic. Yes. But. yes. And this is just deep cut for the wiki. Ash was my first ever D&D character's name, and he was a Warforged bard. So that that this this is my first D&D character inserted into the campaign. So there you go. Now we have to kill him, Randy. <laughs> you were reading my mind. Put it into this once and for all. Dare you all. Yeah, they were gonna they were gonna go to Wisconsin and find that kid you played in Kids on Bikes and show him the what for <laughs> Dozier, something Dozier. Anyway, yeah, so he he is an acolyte of the Lord of Blades, and he, they also want to stop this stuff from happening, but they're just gonna shock and awe. Yeah, Whereas Sigil they're would like for to us just to roll in. Right. Sigil would like for us to sabotage and learn. And yep. Ash just wants to raise everything up to and including anyone that's not a Warforged is a part that Eris took particular umbrage with. And I don't blame her. And we're racing against them, essentially, right? We have to beat them to it. And they may still burn the whole thing to the ground. But if we want to learn anything, we got to get there first, basically. And we learned it'd be very easy to burn it to the ground and everyone in it because it only has one entrance and exit. Sharn, no, no, em- ocean, em- no ocean ever run. Eberron, yeah, Eberron's fire safety is just absolutely jacked, which is wild considering so many of the spells that we see are fire-based <laughs> and only two create water, shape water. <laughs> we don't know anything. We need Correct. to learn more about this facility. Eric, and even though we us... have, yes. even though we have blueprints, the blueprints are like not the greatest blueprints either. And I am nowhere near the thief that that this that our players are. One time I forgot to check something out at the self-checkout and I went back. I'm not the thief that, that, that Hob is. But I still think that if you showed me some blueprints and were like, I need you to steal something from this place. Is this enough? I'd be like, it's not enough. <laughs> I know what shape the place is. Um, yeah, that's the thing I tried to, to convey is like... The, these are the blueprints that were submitted to the city planner when the it was being built. Like, it's the walls and a basic mm. floor plan. But like, if they've added anything, right. it's not going to be on this blueprint. Oh, I meant to ask earlier, when the, okay, so the warding, the line that keeps the Warforged out, at yep. the Gulra, in fact, was that a decision of yours to keep any of them from being able to go with us or to keep them from being able to scout it so we'd have to find a new way to learn stuff or both? The condition was always like, sigil and their their friends they want to be a self-sufficient budge they like warforged are trying to make their own way in this world and things like that and so i wanted to come up with a sound justification as to why they would need to reach out to non-warforged to for help and so thinking about it and thinking like i wanted it to be something that wasn't implicitly saying that like you all were more capable than war for it because i wanted it to be a really robust like they have thieves they have people that can do subterfuge as part right. of this and if um, they could go so, 40 of them going would be better than the four of us of course so correct yeah, wouldn't need us. and so i wanted to come up with a justification why they were not able to take care of this problem themselves and sigil would go oh 
I know some people that can help with this. Oh. And fortunately, we don't have any players playing a Warforged. Otherwise, that would ruin all of this. Jill said, I know some people who said they'll help with this. I have no idea if they'll be helpful. <laughs> like, these guys are really well, hit and miss in the efficacy department. <laughs> Back when Sigil would go do jobs with you all, it was primarily heisting jobs. So Sigil's fairly confident in your all's ability. A little bit shaken after the whole gala gig. That first job you all did went off without a hitch, so... Yeah, honestly, they should have stopped hanging out with us after the gala. <laughs> they I did. Appreciate kindness. <laughs> Say what? I said they did. Fair enough. <laughs> they should have. They they would have been right to fully cut ties with us after yes. the gala thing. But because we know nothing and because we can't really figure it out, you give us an option of a lifeline in Arancis or Posey, as we have come to call her. We fully just cold shouldered that one. Ultimately. Do you want to speak on why you said she would be good? Did you want her to be a part of this? Did you? No, we haven't. Here, just for the listener, we are recording the next episodes on Saturday. It's the day after you hear this. So yeah. Eric may not want to tell us anything about why he thought Arantis would be good because it may be a surprise for the thing. But what you can tell us or if you want you want to tell us, please. No, I mean, it was purely like getting into the headspace of Sigil and the information that they have. Just thinking back to, okay, last time we worked together to steal something or do something. Arancis was there. She has ties to the house. So if she was willing to work with the party before probably she could be an asset again. So it was a very surface level, superficial. We've worked with this person before she is, she would have an intimate knowledge of this. So she might be a good resource, but your all's instincts were also totally valid. She was helping in a very specific circumstance that time. And this is not the same. Yeah. Like, Verla and us have a contentious but helpful relationship. More Well, we keep trying to help her because we don't want her to come after us. I don't know that she's done a ton mm-hmm. of helping for us except for the whole not coming after us part and <laughs> being willing to listen, which is huge. Um, yeah. We do not have that with Arancis. We have this one time we hit her with a boat and she does not seem to like us a lot. Yeah. Um, but what we do decide to do is reach out to Jerome, Olive's brother, who mm-hmm. none of us could remember how we actually knew or when we met. We all got that one wrong, but we did know we'd met him and we knew what he did. And you played that one really fun, Eric. You played Thank a really you. good, felt very true to like, I don't necessarily like this, but I absolutely cannot. One, jeopardize my job. And two, sorry, I'm just speaking as Jerome. I realize you got that. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that you didn't like something as Jeff, my friend. Like, I didn't, I don't really like that I'm paying you a compliment right now, but. uh, The last thing I want to do is make you feel good about yourself or a thing that you've done. I know. But the patrons demand it. No, Jerome's kind of like, I don't like this thing they're doing, but I do believe in what Kenneth is doing. I don't trust you guys. I trust Olive's assessment of you. Any Anyone my sister would choose to continue to be around can't be as bad as my impression of you is, basically. Yeah. And the only way we got any really good information out of him was we finagled it out of a triumph. Like, it was really yeah. good stuff. And so condescending. Not, that's not true. It wasn't as condescending. I don't feel like he was condescending. <laughs> he did straight up be like, can't believe I'm talking to criminals, which is factual, but also don't have to say it. It was, it was more of... Because a lot of times when my NPCs are condescending... 
it's very hypocritical in that you're he- you're here alongside us doing this. Whereas with Jerome, it was like his dining room. It was like my sister just brought like sure. a heist team into my home. What is happening? Oh yeah, no, sure. <laughs> the thing among the things that we learn are one, there's a lot of these eldritch engines so destroying this one ain't gonna fix anything we also learn some things about some of the security but the big thing is from that triumph which i'm assuming is a thing you just made up on the fly i think philip philip actually came up with that like he there was a slip of the tongue that he was going to oh no sorry yes the slip of the tongue thing was philip's idea but what it was you just go oh yeah i don't know this one spell can unlock something permanently it was that which is good which is helpful because two of the four party members have know how to do that spell yeah so it worked out great now we've talked to jerome and we're ready to we think we're ready to go on the heist but before we get to the absolute roadblock that happens next let's take a moment and talk about this week's sponsors of our episode take it away script yeah so our first sponsor today is magic mind magic mind is a matcha based drink that i i'm a heavy coffee drinker personally like too much. It's a problem. <laughs> but a big aspect of it is I will frequently do coffee in the afternoon as well because I'll hit that like post-lunch lull. And so I'll go make myself another cup of coffee, which causes problems later on in the evening when I'm trying to sleep. And Magic Mind, since I've started trying it, I've been using the product for about a week and a half now. I replaced my afternoon coffee with that. And it's been a huge difference for a multitude of reasons. One, it's matcha based. So it does have caffeine, but it doesn't have a ton of caffeine in it. And so it can give me that little boost to get through the rest of the workday without overloading myself. But then also has a bunch of other really beneficial stuff in it. Ashwagandha and some nootropic mushrooms that help with anxiety and stress and focus and stuff like that. And I've noticed a substantial difference using it in the afternoons during my workday, being able to focus and get through the afternoon slog as it were. So I would highly recommend it even beyond outside of the scope of them being an advertiser for the show. I think it's really good. I've tried some other nootropic drinks in the past. This one being matcha based, it's a little bit easy. It comes in little bottles. It's a literal shot, like what you would put in a shot glass. So you just down it and you're done. There's no big preparation. So if you would like to check it out, then you could head to magicmind.co slash renewed and check it out over there or at the checkout use the code renewed 20 and you will get 56 percent off your first subscription if you decide to subscribe or 20 percent off your first one-time purchase that's magicmind.co slash renewed our second uh sponsor once again manscaped Thank you again to Manscaped for sponsoring the show, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Men's Ultimate Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Join over 7 million people worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code RENEWED at manscaped.com. Fellas, any new revelations using your Manscaped gear? Battery life's real good. Yeah, (laughs) I have not had to charge it since we got them. I have not had to charge the lawnmower since I've gotten it, and this is the first time I charged it, and I have used it fairly regularly. Yeah, I'm about to travel for work this week and started packing, and I'm going to get to test it on the road with the travel bag that you get with the performance package, as well as the convenience of the USB-C charger and all that good stuff. I have everything charged up and have not had to recharge anything, and 
have definitely been using the items and I'm very pleased with them. I believe I'll continue on. Awesome. Well, get 20% off and free shipping with the code renewed at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code renewed. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And trim your pits. It's great. There we go. <laughs> okay, let's talk about what happened next, Randy. We spent uh, a lot of time to? deciding how we should go invisible, what we should do to be invisible. A certain member of our party who's not here, so I will not give Trevor too hard of a time, but forgot that he has this knife that can just turn him invisible and we wouldn't have had to worry about him. Maybe not upgrade the difficulty of Randy's check so many times, but we did do that. And I'm not trying to insinuate that this was any fault of Randy's, but Randy, what did you do? I decided to try to make us all invisible. And I, and you know what? I believe it was Eric's fault because he was like, you could make it more realistic, but it's going to have to upgrade the difficulty. Hold on. So, so it's your All of fault. these things, having to make Trevor <laughs> invisible, Randy doing the more real, those add purples, don't add reds. That just makes it more difficult, but a despair is not on the table until a red gets added. Now, and, yes, I'm the one that flipped the story point to add the red, but that's exactly. neither here nor there. So it's no, it's exactly here and there. It's, it's right. It's you the put reason. a red in the mix and look what that red got you. Something you've been yeah. rubbing your hands together for who knows how long. Yes. How long since the Zoriat reveal have you known that Randy's first magic despair was going to lead to a, a portal rending open? I wrote it in my notes. Like, next magic despair, Mind Flayer comes after Randy. And and the next note might be the next magic despair, another mind. No, no <laughs> He's yeah. dead. The second that initial, because all of this started with, a magic despair from Randy. Randy rolled a despair and I was like, oh, during the Corruptor notices Milo using the Zoriat magic down here. Perfect. And so then I was like, yeah, ev- like as soon as another despair gets rolled, Mind Flare comes after him. So yeah, long time coming. And well, and it did. And it started to take Randy away. And you said end of episode. Yep. So much yep. for our, uh, our somewhat well-laid plans of infiltration. So now, not only are we not surreptitiously getting into the facility, but we're not doing it for an hour of playtime because we have to fight these jack wagons. Yeah, and Um, Milo's kind of beat up at this point. Yeah. yeah. So So, do we really want to go in there now? (laughs) Ultimately, it ended up with the Mind Flayer, a couple of minion groups of Dolgrims, and two Dolgaunts after the despair. One Dolgaunt. We'll do that. One right, dog after the despair. It was a hard fight. Like mind flayers are tough, and we are not where we were. Not where we were is not a fair way to say it. This level in Genesis did not equip us to fight a mind flayer the way this level in D and D would. Is a better way to say yeah. that. I will air my personal grievance that Hob did three super cool things in a row, and then Eric just now I'm gonna do this again. Then, and there was no way I was passing that check twice to be. Uh, rooted to the ground. Like there was no chance I was passing that check twice Mm. because it was very lucky to pass it once. And I cannot tell you how cool it felt to pass that check, bodyguard Milo, absorb Milo's wounds and not actually show any physical wound manifesting on myself. I was like, this mind flayer is going to be going back to Zoria asking, what was that thing? 
Yeah, but just... that mind flayer immediately went, I need to deal with that thing right now. <laughs> like, And so Eric took my fun away for the rest of the game. And <laughs> Oh, you got to take out every minion in the encounter. I don't want to hear it. I feel like I was forced, that my hand was just, forced. To just because you don't appreciate <laughs> the cool toys you have doesn't mean they're any less cool, Jeff. I very much appreciate the cool toys I have. I was looking forward to using some new ones, but I couldn't move my feet. <laughs> Milo, please tell me. Milo, God. Randy, <laughs> you I mean, you did some great things during this fight. I, I really enjoy that Milo's first thing he wants to do in some fights now is just try to scare people away. Just do the scariest thing he can think of to try to scare someone to run off. And it worked. Is that a function of a, the spell or can you do whatever you want and you just can't keep having Milo that, choose to frighten? That just is the, that's ensorcelled. Okay. Ensorcelled supreme. It just happens. Don't have to roll for it. It just occurs. But is it like in the language of the thing Eric gave you, is it specifically about frightening or is that? No, I, it's, it doesn't really have any flavor text. It just says that they once per session, you may use this talent to force all enemies to do this. And I thought that's boring. So I just flavor it with Milo conjures up whatever to just try to scare stuff away. <laughs> Okay. In that case, permit me to ask, why you make Milo so scary all the time? <laughs> I think if I wouldn't have, how could Eric have come up with the Zoriad idea? Yeah. That's true. Eric <laughs> Eric can't come up with anything on his own. <laughs> Big old dummy, reason, this guy. The only reason I didn't in, set out to intentionally do that, I initially came up with the thought that Milo has acquired these new powers because of a fire and in fire there's smoke he gets hit on the head he retrieves a, a piece of a stool his wife used to sit on it's the only memory he has of her the only thing left of her and then the smoke it was a manifestation of the fire so i did not intentionally set out to make him scary but it just evolved in that direction. And also I was trying to play it with Milo doesn't know what his magic is going to do. Yeah. It wasn't like he's been able to train under somebody and learn mm -hmm. how to cast things correctly and make sure you do things right. It's just, I hope this works. What's this going to do? I think this sure. is going to work. And for the and most part it does, but then every now and then, yeah, Things Milo happen. is a very effective spellcaster. Like, it's just the effects sometimes are. Yes, and now that he has the knowledge that he now knows of where this is coming from, I don't know if it's really come across very well, at least yet, but Milo has tried to pull back on casting things that are more difficult in his mind. He's trying to keep things more simple, but he has not considered the fact that, hey, he's just thinking in his head the things that are going to hurt things. He's not thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I'm just going to, I'm helping my allies. I'm going to turn us invisible. Right. So now Milo's really, oh my gosh, what did I just do now? <laughs> this is, this, this is not supposed to be hard. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here comes a nightmare. I don't want to ask this for a future, like 
how is this going to affect Milo's spellcasting gung ho edness? But I think in a couple of reviews, I will definitely be asking to look back and see, hey, Milo, have you just a change in how quickly you cast spells? Um, yeah. So, Eric, is that thing just out? Okay, the way the fight ends ultimately with Milo hitting a quadruple critical, and I think he rolled a 124, where this Mind Flayer just could no longer take actions. Yep. So he ran off. Yep. Is the Mind Flayer in Sharn? Is the Mind Flayer going to stay in Sharn? Is it trying to get back? Like You got to <laughs> tell me this. You got to tell me this. Did the Mind Flayer take off into Sharn, or did the Mind Flayer run like down like towards the cogs, like trying to get somewhere else? I, like, I heard into Sharn as well. That's what I'm I mean, thinking. Yeah, it, that's what was said, yes. It took off down the other way of the alley, away from you all, and rounded a corner. Like, and... It yeah, you can't do anything until it gets that critical injury healed. But who's gonna we'll see who's what gonna heal a mind flayer's critical injury? Yeah, when a mind flayer walks up and says, "I can't possess people until you fix me," the good doctor's <laughs> gonna be like, "Check, got it, goodbye." <laughs> it's gonna go down deep, deep, deep down, and mm-hmm. find his way home. Just a question of how much money that mind flare has on it. You can go pay for healthcare. Just <laughs> ain't that the truth. Anything else from the fight that you guys want to address? It was pretty. It was pretty boilerplate. Like we did fun things, but by and large, it was just we rolled and we succeeded or failed and took some hits yeah. and made some hits. And... That was okay. Good. These things go a little faster when it's just three of us. Let's get to questions. As always, if you have any questions you would like to ask anyone in the cast, you can do so on our Discord, which I'll do the rest of the plugs later. But if you want to find our Discord, easiest way to do it is check our Facebook page, which is Facebook slash The Geek Pantheon, facebook.com slash The Geek Pantheon. There's also links in our Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok profiles. All of those are slash The Geek Pantheon. So if you want to get in the Discord, there's how you do it. So let's start with a handful of questions from Laura. they want to know, Eric, you have said that you have Tasha's desire, fear, strength, and flaws written down. What are they? Sounds like a great question for the final review when that doesn't (laughs) matter anymore. I'll never tell. We'll tell eventually, but not right now. I assume he he would rather not. He would be quicker to tell you than he is to tell us, I bet. Okay, so again, uh, this was written about Philip, but it's for everyone. So Philip's talked about not liking how many things are dependent on having specific ability scores in D&D. And I wonder how Genesis compared. That's for anyone to comment on. They've just mostly heard it from Philip. I don't see a marked difference between ability scores and whatever they call them in Genesis. My brawl score is four. Brawn score, pardon me, is four. And that yeah. allows me to do some things and precludes me from doing other things. I don't see a huge difference. I also do not play the depth of my character sheet the way that Philip does in both of these games. I think the biggest thing that I can think of that is truly prohibitive when it comes to your ability scores in D&D is something like multi-classing. If, like, <laughs> for example, Hob being a monk, like, that's how you pitched Hob initially. But then you took the Templar talent, which in actuality I think is meant to evoke a paladin. Like it's Mm -hmm. that very limited ability to cast divine spells for somebody Mm -hmm. that that's not their primary focus. In D&D, you'd have to have a certain strength and charisma score in order to be able to do a dip into paladin to get a little bit of that flavor that you'd like. Whereas in something like Genesis, you don't. You can just take the talent and move on with your day. Yeah. 
I've, I yeah. barely multi-class. So yeah, that, I, that didn't occur to me. That makes a lot of sense. Now, as I far mean, as how the... Genesis compares, go ahead, please, oh, please, go ahead. please. In terms of the flexibility that Genesis affords you versus the clear definitions that are provided by D&D, I think it's there are certain circumstances where I love the flexibility of Genesis, both as a player and as a GM. And I think it allows for some really cool things. And also with the advantage and threat, triumph, despair, you all being to have such a uh, a strong hand on the wheel of the story is really cool. At the same time, there are a lot of times where I want my bad guys to cast a spell and I can name you what the spell is in D&D. I can tell you what the checks are, all that kind of stuff. And I, dang it, I just wish there was a spell that I could, Genesis, it's great how flexible it is that you can build any spell you want, but sometimes you just want a ding, dang, dong spell that's listed that you can. And I know that Randy has found or constructed his own spell list for Milo that just Randy, I don't think you, you ever look at like the build your own spells aspect of Genesis. Do you just have your no. uh, spells you want to cast? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you asked us, obviously it's no secret. We're looking at other systems for the next campaign. You asked us what kind of magic system we wanted. And I was like, I want spells to choose from. It's my, I'm playing yeah. a magic user. It's my first time to play a magic user. I don't want to have to get creative. I want to have to pick the best option. The road, I may change my mind. Philip and Randy, having played for as long as they do, come up with great spell ideas. I just know my skill set and it ain't there. But what I will say about Genesis, the crit table makes me want to crap my pants in anger. I'm so over the crit <laughs> table. Ugh. That's all. Just wanted to say that. Okay, Eric, Laura wants to know if Seeking the Answers is a reference to the previously mentioned Seeking the Teacher arc from Campaign 1 where the same Warforged NPCs appeared in. Yep. There you go. <laughs> there you go. In Campaign 3, uh, we're going to be in the underbelly of Sharn Seeking the Toilet. And that'll be a fun one. <laughs> a lot of times I come up with these arc titles for the show after the fact. And so I knew that the Warforged were going to be showing up. And so that just seemed like a fun callback. The worst, I, this hasn't happened maybe once in campaign two, but it's fairly regular in campaign one that Eric would have to come up with a title before the arc was over. And sometimes he mm. would title an arc based on what he was planning and not what we had done. And it always felt very ominous <laughs> to be like, <laughs> what do you mean the death below? <laughs> <laughs> we've been in Miss March for two episodes so that's always fun Da-da. how much involvement does Esther have in House Fjarlin does she have some other job it just feels weird that she's never around yeah she's just not involved with Vare's sphere of what Calvair handles Esther is very involved Fjarlin is also known for its entertainment <laughs> slash spy work that they do outside of thieving And that's where I see Esther being a bigger influence is in the managing all of the different performance halls and theaters and those type of facilities that exist in Sharn that Fjarlin runs and has people in that report all of the things they hear people say when they're drunk. So that's what Esther's up to, whereas Calvary is much more of the thieving, stealing, that aspect of Fjarlin. Okay. Continuing questions from Laura for Eric. Alistair, Basil, Calvair, Dranier, Esther. Is this pattern on purpose? Hand to God. Didn't pick it up, the, no. pa- the pattern is those names are alphabetical. No, not at all on purpose. I swear. There you yeah. go. It's very funny, but. I, I, in my, I realized I've been GMing <clears throat> my game now for, it'll be a year tomorrow. And 
the absolute hardest part of being a dungeon master is coming up with NPC names. Bar none. The hardest part is striking the balance between Dan and Klof Nostenmeyer, the destroyer. Yep. And sometimes you end up with Alistair, Basil, Calvair, Dranier, and Esther, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I thought back, like, how did that happen? And it, yeah, it purely was happenstance because we had Reynard, and then I came up with Basil and Alistair. I think I came up with Alistair, and Trevor came up with Basil. As and they're the both just good, the... posh names. Yeah. America, I, they may not be actually posh names. But... And after those names were come up with, is when we decided to do the flip around. So we didn't even have a D in the mix until we did. We reversed Reynard's name into Drainier. And then Calvarian Esther was a last minute name because I had written down a name for Reynard's mom. And when it came time to record, I wasn't happy with it. I never was happy with it. I was like, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, it didn't roll off the tongue. It was a hard name to say. And so I just scratched it out and was like, name it Esther. Yep, Esther's her name. Yeah. So it was it's a mistake slash a fun thing that happened. Speaking of hard things to say, Laura's next question is for Philip. You said some of the names you considered for Tasha were rejected because they were too hard to pronounce. What were they? I know Philip listened to this, so I would like for Philip to write them in the Discord. And then I want for Laura to come to us at Gamer Nation Con and tell us what they think they sound like. The the names are. And then Philip can tell them in person what they actually are. And we can all have a good laugh about how difficult these names are. That's what I'm putting out there. And anybody else who's listening who comes to Gamer Nation Con, no, we'll put that up to Laura. I'll let them decide how public this could be. Anyway, now I'm messing with listeners as much as I am with the hosts. And that's fun. Laura continues. <clears throat> and I'd like to know this one. What did Faru say to Drother that he'll never forget that got Kath so angry? Depending on whether or not I want to say it yet. Because Drother totally still... Fair. Drother and Kath are still in the show. These are and their all going not, concerns. Not I have a feeling in, Kath is going to become a greater going concern as it goes on, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like their story is not done yet. So I'm reluctant to reveal secrets at this point. So mark that down for the grand reviewed. Okay. Irene would like to know, will there be a live finale again? And that has on the discord three emojis of that finger pointing up yeah what about it we haven't had any discussions in that vein but i don't see why we couldn't but just logistically we need to hammer those things out so mm-hmm. there's <clears throat> recording in person has gotten more difficult again recently and my guess just put it out there it really depends on what time of year the finale is and yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe even if you guys would be willing, you listeners would be willing to wait a couple of weeks for a live finale if that's what it took. Like it wouldn't be. We could always also, compared to the end of campaign one, we all have better online setups now. So we could do it like online with face cams on all of us and not in oh, person. Oh, sure. Just I like, know we would, we, I know we would rather be in person for the finale, but that's always absolutely. an option. I don't need everybody seeing my whimsically painted former chill, baby nursery that I record this podcast in. Okay. And our last couple of questions are from Shelby. Okay. Shelby asks a bit of backstory in the discord. We were talking about this last recording that we did. We were all over our remote recording software and Trevor the whole time was bedazzling an outfit taking one little diamond rhinestone thing and putting it on the whole time. 
and we were just talking about it in the Discord. So Shelby would like to know, what is Trevor's favorite piece of bedazzled clothing? I bet if we ask him to, he'll post a picture of it in the Discord. And then Mark expounded upon that by saying, I want to know everyone's favorite piece of Trevor's bedazzled clothing. So does anybody have a favorite piece of Trevor's bedazzled clothing? I don't know that I've seen a piece of Trevor's bedazzled clothing. But knowing Trevor, he's going to look amazing regardless. <laughs> And he it's makes this true. stuff and he makes it right. He yeah, makes he this makes stuff. Amazing. All of it. So, Hey, to me, that's amazing in and of itself. A few weeks ago, actually, after we all recorded live, we all got to go and watch Trevor perform. For those of you unaware, Trevor performs in a fantastic type of art style that is currently under a lot of persecution in America for stupid reasons. But what he does is amazing. And my favorite costume from the night was a quick change transition thing that turned from like a regular dress to a big, long, floofy dress. And it was really, like, it was like magic. It was one of those things like, we'd watched him dancing around in it for 20 minutes and I had no idea that it was about to happen. It didn't cheat the the reveal at all. And he made it himself, I believe. He certainly had a hand in making it. And also it was hilarious. And he's tall. Just putting that out there. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's the same piece that, yeah, because... He didn't have any grand costume changes during the show. So yeah, it was a golden green piece that was like a one shoulder strap came across the front and there was some bedazzled work on the upper part of the dress. Yeah, looked good. Looks so fun. Trevor sews and does these amazing performances and Randy's got his magic and uh, Philip's got his fencing and Eric's got his YouTube presence and I have dogs. <laughs> so that's what's up with us lately in our free time. And then Shelby also has a technical question about how we record. We do sessions, break them into episodes, but he was curious how long we record and how much usable, I'd argue very little of it's usable, but we put it out anyway. How much usable audio you get over our recording sessions? So Eric, I'll just- So generally speaking, sitting down at the table until getting up, like having finished everything, typically about four and a half to five hours, I would guess of total time. And we typically get three hour-ish long episodes out of that recording session. Now, granted, we are taking breaks between episodes, going to the bathroom, getting a drink, chit-chatting. Because this is a, oftentimes like the one time a month that all of us like get together and see each other. So there's a lot of non-podcast related tomfoolery going on. So yeah, but typically it's about a four and a half to five hour block of time that we are together recording. The first, if we're remote, the first half hour is always just catching up because it we are genuine friends who really like each other and invest in each other's lives. And it's the might be the only time I talked to Philip that month outside of text messages. So that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we are much more efficient in person. We can knock out three episodes in just over three hours in person. We typically mm-hmm. do more than three or take longer breaks and enjoy each other's company because of that. When we're in person, it's a different story but when we also, but we also go remote... out to lunch before we start recording mm-hmm. when we're in person oh so. yeah absolutely and somebody's got to make coffee at some point in the middle yeah this is true not anymore because this saturday is when we're all getting our magic mind from eric so maybe yes. we won't have coffee we'll take a shot and move <laughs> on i am excited to try that's the last of the questions is there anything either of you feel the people need to know any dark confessions you need to make randy about that time you killed that guy which guy which one Okay. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. We really appreciate you guys sticking with us. Any questions that were for Philip or Trevor specifically, we'll make sure they address. I okay, have to make sure there are people who like to give you guys what you want. They will address them in the or on the next review. We'll go back and catch them. And next week, we'll be back with a 
fingers crossed in-person recorded episode of yeah. Eberron Renewed, where fingers crossed, we finally start this stinking mission inside this facility. Until that point, please check us out on all the socials. I gave the links earlier, but it's whatever your favorite social media platform slash the Geek Pantheon. Eric does his GMing videos at YouTube. Search for the Geek Pantheon. The Kyber Shards, other actual play, is also on YouTube if you search for The Laughing Tree. And I believe right now that's all that we have to plug. Our merch store, geek can- thegeekpantheon.com. Please check out the merch store. Yes. I almost forgot about that. And once again, to reiterate, Manscaped and Magic Mind were our sponsors this week. And the codes for both of those are Renewed20. No, Magic Magic Mind is Renewed20. Manscaped is just Renewed. There you go. Magic Mind Renewed 20, Manscaped is just renewed. We appreciate that some of you guys have been checking those products out to help support us. It's a really wonderful thing. So thank you very much. And until next week, I am Jeff. I'm Randy. And I'm Eric. Have a great length of time until the next time.